You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. Uh, I plan on using SeatGeek a little bit later in this season now that Indiana season is over and I have a little bit of extra time on my hands on weeknights and plan to get out to a Mavericks game and see Yogi play, which I haven't had a chance to do. And you can be sure that when I do that, I will be getting my tickets on SeatGeek as I did when I went and saw him play last year. Because, again, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. They save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and help you find amazing deals. And best of all, listeners of the Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. So the way that you do that is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 70th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 397th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, April 5th, 2018. I'm your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And... Once again, this week's banner moment focuses on an IU basketball team, but not the one that we usually focus on here at the Assembly Call. There is no more appropriate way to begin this week's show than by offering a proud and enthusiastic note of congratulations to the IU women's team who defeated Virginia Tech last Saturday in front of a record home crowd to secure the WNIT championship. It was a triumphant and fitting end to the remarkable careers of Tyra Buss and Amanda Cahill, and yet another reminder of the enduring strength of Hoosier Nation. A banner will undoubtedly be hung from the rafters of Simon Scott Assembly Hall to commemorate the achievement, and it should. Championships are always worth honoring, and this group of Hoosiers should forever be remembered as champions. And you know, ever since I became a dad, I have looked forward to the first time that I get to take my kid to a game at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, the place where I grew up going to games with my dad. I've looked forward to telling stories about Calvert Chaney, Greg Graham, and all of the other great players I grew up watching. I've looked forward to explaining the stories behind each banner, describing the iconic greatness of the perfect 32-0 season, and discussing why the impact of Bill Garrett's fantastic career goes so far beyond just the basketball court. 
you and I both know that the storytelling about IU basketball could go on forever. Passing these stories on from generation to generation is what makes being an IU basketball fan so special, and it's our responsibility. And now, as the father of a spirited, inquisitive, intensely curious 20-month-old daughter, I am so appreciative of the fact that Simon Scott Assembly Hall is not just a cathedral where we recognize and celebrate the achievements of men. The name itself, Simon Scott, is so because Cindy Simon Scott was so inspired by her childhood visits to Assembly Hall with her father that she donated $40 million to the renovation. And clearly, the legend of Tyra Buss and Amanda Cahill will now reverberate throughout the hall and its rafters for decades to come. I didn't have to attend games in which Isaiah Thomas or Steve Alford played to be inspired to run out in my driveway and pretend to be them. I learned their stories, saw their pictures and replays, and I saw myself in them. Now my daughter, whether she grows up wanting to be a renowned philanthropist who is named Woman of the Year or a legendary basketball player who scores more points as a Hoosier than almost anyone, will have stories that she can revel in and examples that she can look up to that are as natural a part of her Indiana basketball experience as highlights of Keith's smart shot. And this isn't just important for our girls to see, it's important for our boys to see too. What Tyra and Amanda have meant to Indiana basketball and will continue to mean to every kid fortunate enough to go to Simon Scott Assembly Hall with their parents goes so far beyond the wins and the points and the rebounds. But sometimes it takes winning a championship to ensure that a legacy always remains front and center and gets the discussion and recognition that it deserves in perpetuity. That is the power of a banner. And the 2018 WNIT championship banner, once it is hung, will be a most worthy and important one. Okay, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he is back, one of the world's top 10 bracketologists and the still proud president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, especially after Robert finally fulfilled our longtime assembly call prophecy of hitting an important game-winning shot, which, if you missed it, vaulted the Big Ten three-on-three team to a championship during Final Four weekend. Andy, what is your bottoms line this week? Well, I, I'm going to struggle to follow up with uh, your eloquence on the on the IU women's team. So that was certainly one I was going to uh, was going to mention. But the other was was that Big Ten, you know, three on three uh, championship. I don't know that uh, you can hang a banner for something like that. But if you could, it would be a fitting legacy to uh, Robert Johnson. So I'm going to start a, a petition for that as well. Certainly, it falls firmly in line behind uh, the WNIT championship banner you talked about, but the inaugural, uh, champions of the, uh, of the three on three with, uh, you know, with Robert playing well, I think he closed out two or three of the games. And so, yeah, you at one point on Twitter remarked that we'd finally gotten that game winner and he had a, a deep three to, uh, to clinch it for them. So it was fun to watch him play kind of a, an interesting event. Uh, I found myself, uh, okay. For the most part, rooting with the big 10 players that, uh, Everybody had taken on, although I did think some of Nate Mason's uh, general shot selection and uh, and decision making on the court was questionable. But th- be that as it may, imagine um, that. Yeah, crazy, <laughs> crazy to think about, huh? Uh, so no, it was it was like I said, it was a cool event, a good you know kind of last chance to see him uh, as a representative uh, of IU in that regard, and uh, and so cool that they won. So uh, I am currently going through basketball withdrawal uh, at this point with the uh, with the college season over, and I'm finding that I don't really know what to do. Um, with my evenings, I'm not looking at bracketology. There's no uh, tournament games on, so it's a it's a little weird. But uh, luckily, uh, I also have a young daughter whose whose soccer season starts uh, in earnest this weekend. So I will uh, be finding myself uh, freezing my rear off uh, bright and early on Saturday morning here at a uh, soccer tournament. So I'll do that to get by. But uh, hopefully, some some good IU basketball news and discussion to keep us going through the what what 
an off season that won't be able to go quite fast enough. Say hi to Jen. That's what you do. Reintroduce yourself. Yes. Yes. We've been, we have, we've definitely probably spent more time together, uh, actually in functional conversation than we, than we had prior in prior weeks for sure. All right. And to my right, we have a man who apparently still has to remind people that he was the only national columnist saying that the Pacers won the Paul George trade. He's a columnist for the big lead. And he is someone who, apparently buoyed by the enduring confidence of his Pacers Thunder trade analysis, responded to a recent tweet asking, who's the best young sports media mind in the industry right now by saying me, as in him. Apparently, he forgot that late 30s doesn't really qualify as young anymore. He is Ryan Bigger Ragu Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant this week? What's this? What's this late thirties thing? I'm I'm in my mid thirties. I'm just locked in. I'm I'm in my prime. And also, maturity matters, right? For this for this young uh, uh, analyst, I, I think I, I think I'm right there. Uh, honestly, my my I think my banner moment is the fact that Villanova won the national title, and the reason why is because if you look at the way that that team's built, and I I wrote about it a little bit this week. Um, that's built the way it looks like Archie Miller's building his team. And that's with three and four year players, redshirting guys, something that we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, you saw Race Thompson redshirt this year. I'm sure that somebody's going to have to redshirt next year because of the overload of players on the roster. Um, all about the same age, too. Uh, I think that that was encouraging to me that, that look, Villanova had two two five-star guys on their roster, Jalen Brunson and uh, Mari Spellman. But other than that, they had a bunch of four-star guys, a bunch of overlooked guys, and the the backbone of those two national titles in three years were unheralded recruits who you know fit a system and and who were brought in not because of their star rankings, but because they were intelligent basketball players who could play in multiple systems, who were versatile, who could all switch and play different positions. That's what this incoming recruiting class looks like from Archie Miller. It's a group of versatile big guys you know and by big i don't just mean beefy i mean long uh athletic you know can play multiple positions certainly um and that's just the way basketball is moving now look villanova shot the ball incredibly well uh but they were balanced they were a team that you know top to bottom those guys could all help each other out on the court and they bought into a team concept there was no there was no you know, guy that they always had to go to. It was a different guy every night. It felt like stepping up and winning. And and look, you know, you can go the route of bringing in all the five stars in the world, uh, you know, like Kentucky or, or Duke do, or you can bring in players who fit your system and and fit, you know, what you're trying to do and smart players and guys who are willing to sacrifice their own statistics for the team to win. And that's what you have at Villanova. And that's why I think Jay Wright's the best coach in the country right now. And and what he's done has been remarkable considering his recruiting classes have averaged being in about the 30s. He's never had, in a, since 2010, he hasn't had a recruiting class inside the top 20. And he's won two national titles, five uh, or four out of the last five Big East titles. The only one in that five-year span he didn't win was this year. And he wound up winning a national title. So, um I thought that was encouraging for Indiana fans to see the way that Archie Miller is building this team and to see the way that it had been built by the current national champions. It looks like that's the same road. He's trying to bring guys in who are going to be here for a long time, hopefully, and and bring guys in who want to 
you know, a win at the college level and, and, and uh, are willing to buy into the system. So I thought that was really encouraging from an Indiana fan. If you want to look at an encouraging thing from the, from the NCAA tournament, since IU wasn't there, I think that's the encouraging thing for me. Pretty encouraging. By the way, Brian in our chat reminds me that it's now the Oladipo trade, not the Paul George trade. So that, I, I mean, Pacers got the best player. So I agree. Uh, yeah. Okay. So here are the topics and the questions we're going to address this week. We will talk about why it matters that AJ Moye visited with Archie Miller this week. We will discuss the encouraging current status of Indiana's program value and financial health. Uh, we might get into the latest on who is coming and going in the Big Ten if we have time. And we will also answer a bunch of really good questions that you all sent in. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, before, before we dive into that, a quick suggestion. Uh, if you need IU gear and if you want some of the best officially licensed IU gear that you can find anywhere, whether it's you know to go out to the BART and watch a baseball game, whether it's to get ready for football season, to support any of the IU teams, then you want to go to the official IU online store. And if you use the URL iustore.shop when you go, it will redirect you to the official online store. And that's actually our affiliate link so that when you go there and make a purchase, you know, buy a hat, buy a fleece, buy tailgate gear, whatever you buy – we actually get a 10% commission when you make that purchase. So it's a great way to support the assembly call, uh, you know, hopefully buying gear that you would buy anyway to support your Hoosiers. So again, the URL is iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store. Anytime that you need to buy IU gear for yourself, for a friend, if you want to start buying Christmas gifts early, uh, whatever you want to do, iustore.shop and you'll get great IU gear and support the assembly call in the process. You are listening to Assembly Call Radio. I am Jared Morris here with my usual co-host, Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Um, you know, Ryan, you kind of gave us there your lingering thoughts from the Final Four. Um, and Andy, I want to give you an opportunity to... Oh, I got to, plenty more. <laughs> well, I figure you do. Um, you know, you know, for, for this spot, though, just uh, any lingering thoughts that we have? Because I'll say, you know, I've got something that I want to talk about off the top of the next segment. But I think, you know, just on the heels of our episode last week and watching the Final Four play out, you know, my big takeaways are, number one, be patient with good coaches. It took John Beeline and Jay Wright a little while to get things going. Now they have it going at a really high level, but their fans Jared, administration think, had to I, be patient. I think there's something to add there, too, is that sometimes coaches have bad seasons, too. And it, it's, it's you know, uh, Jay Wright had two really bad seasons in a row there five years ago, you know. And, 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 that, and that actually made him change how he's recruiting. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just I, I think you're right with the not the quick trigger, but I think that also even once a guy's been there for a while, give him the benefit of the doubt to to fix things. I, I think that's really important. Yep. And as you said, you know, earlier, build your program around guys who are going to stay for three or four years and are totally bought in while sprinkling in the elite five stars where they fit and then establish a culture of shooting, unselfishness and defense. And if you if you build your team on those pillars, you're going to be able to win in the regular season and you're going to be versatile enough to win in the NCAA tournament, too. So those are kind of my lingering thoughts coming out of this. Uh, Andy, what are your lingering thoughts as we now move away from the final four and start looking ahead to next year? I mean, they're pretty similar to yours. I think you, know, you, you mentioned that about how Jay Wright kind of changed his recruiting. Um, the latest uh, Mind Your Banners was up today and I haven't quite finished listening to it, but they had Rob Doster on from from NBC uh, and they were talking a little bit about about that and how, you know, right, you know, kind of had had built the program through 
you know, the kind of guys that really bought into what he wanted to do. Then after they had some success and got to the final four originally with the, the Scotty Reynolds group, you know, kind of went away from that a little bit and eventually, uh, you know, went back to, to getting obviously good players, but guys who could be successful and fit into what he wanted to do. And I think, you know, that's one of the things we've talked about with so many of the guys uh, that are coming in next year that they just, you know, kind of fit the mold of, of what Archie wants. So I think that's, um, you know, that's a positive and, and speaks to that. And, uh, you know, I think it was it, it was interesting it, for Michigan to get there. This isn't quite the Michigan team that that we've all grown accustomed to. They weren't ever quite as explosive offensively, but really, um, you know, changed the way they played on the defensive end and were you know good enough offensively. So you know, just kind of shows some of these recipes that you have can be you know a little bit different and still be successful. Obviously, there's all the stats around. You know, you got to be a certain place in Ken Palm to be able to uh, you know get to the Final Four and and things like that. But um, you know, I think you you've seen you know Michigan be able to get there a couple times doing it slightly different ways. Um, and and you know just seeing there's there's not a recipe to get there. And I think you know we talked about this a couple weeks ago of oh can you get there playing this system and that system? Yeah, there's some basic things that you have to have, but there isn't a a singular recipe of here's how you have to play, here's the tempo you have to play, uh, and all those kinds of things. And so I think as we watch you know the, the IU team evolve, hopefully um, you know, their recipe at, at some point is good enough to make it as well. righty. Well there was something that Jalen Brunson said after the game that has really stuck with me since as it relates to IU basketball. Find out what that was, what it can mean for IU hoops next here on the assembly call. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Don't forget that if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can join our live Thursday night broadcast or watch the video replays by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. So I mentioned at the end of the first segment that Jalen Brunson said something after the game that has stuck with me. And what he said was, I'm pretty sure he was hugging the trophy as he was saying this, we play for the ones who came before us. They set the tradition. And I was just so impressed by that level of humility in, you know, a moment for him that, you know, where he had to just be so awash in emotion and personal pride and excitement at what they had just achieved. And that what he is thinking about is honoring the Villanova players who came before and the importance of the example that they set and clearly how committed this Villanova team was to carrying on the the tradition and the legacy of the great teams that came before them. And as soon as I heard him say that, I thought about how it's the kind of sentiment that we should be hearing regularly from Indiana players, especially given our history and our tradition. And 
you know, of course, the issue, a big issue with that over the last couple of decades has been an inability to reestablish a continuity of culture since Bob Knight's firing. But I'm hopeful, you know, that that Archie Miller and his staff will be able to do that slowly but surely in the ensuing years. And, you know, you saw this week, A.J. Moye visited Bloomington. Archie had a really nice tweet about it. And it's great to see former players who don't necessarily have a connection to Archie, but do have a connection to Indiana. And A.J., obviously, you know, a legendary player in the lore of IU basketball for what he did in 2002. It was great to see him back. And and Archie and his staff, by all accounts, have been active in reaching out to former players. You know, we saw Calvert Chaney uh, visited at one point last year. So I think as, as we look forward, and, and again, as we look for lessons from teams that have been successful this year in the last couple of years that Indiana can apply, and we've talked about this in relation to Michigan State as well, it's really going to be important for Archie to leverage Indiana's tradition, not just to get players to attend Indiana, but to inspire them to be fully bought into the right things when they are here. Because clearly the Villanova guys were that, and it seems like you know being inspired by the guys who came before was a part of that. And I think this will get easier for Archie as he establishes his own culture and his own cadre of former players. But it can really be accelerated if you get the you know as many of the former players involved as possible because we just have such a proud tradition to lean on, Andy. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I thought back um, to a show we did. I think it was in the off season about you know who do you want the the IU program under Archie Miller to emulate and I don't know that any of us mentioned Villanova there was a lot of Michigan State and Kansas and 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 certainly you know those are still fine examples for some of the same reasons that we said with Villanova just in terms of the the passing on of that leadership and uh you know the basic principles of the program but uh yeah it was an interesting comment to to make and again that that same mind your banners episode uh Rob went into you know some of the other things about Villanova and how you know how simplistic uh, in theory, their offense really is and what they do, but just there's some basic principles that they, you know, really focus in on uh, and and just, you know, kind of, you know, it sounds like just basic skills that that all their guys end up leaving with in, in terms of, um, you know, being able to attack a closeout and, and making, you know, you know, making the passes and, and rotations defensively and things like that, where it doesn't have to be super complicated if you can do you know, the fundamental things really well, as cliche as it sounds, and really instill that from one group of guys to the next. And and part of that is having those, you know, three and four year guys and having guys redshirt occasionally and some of those things. But, um, you, you know, it, it, while it's great and exciting to, to look at all these programs that sign, you know, five top recruits, you know, what, what we look at, what we look at in the last few years with a few exceptions is that teams that are made up like Villanova has been made up like North Carolina was last year. Uh, even the Gonzaga team that, you know, played them in the final last year. Those are the kinds of you know guys that you have that really do that. So I, I think it's a, it, you know, it's kind of a good thing to keep in mind. And if you look, you know, two, three years on the road and you feel like we're saying the same thing about IU, um, that, you know, what they stand for, you know, what they're going to do night in and night out. Uh, that's going to be a, a huge victory. Yeah, I think that it also we have to look at with Villanova's offense was that they were always on the same page. You know, there there wasn't a complex theory there. You're right. It wasn't some really detailed, hard to learn system, but they all ran it so well because they were always 
with each other and they were always on the same page. They knew where each other were going to be. You watch that final. I mean, that was just a clinic. You know, guys knew when guys were cutting. Guys knew what to look for. They knew when to make the extra pass, when to take the shot. Um, and they never panicked when they got down about seven in a national title game. I mean, that's the time to panic is when you're down seven in a national title game. Um, and they just stayed so calm and and just sort of had confidence that somebody was going to step up, make some shots. It was Dante DiVincenzo hit a couple. They kept feeding him. You know, they knew that he had the hot hand. They kept giving him the ball. You know, it wasn't like there was ever a period where they went away from what was working. And then through that, they realized that, you know, if you keep giving him the ball, eventually Michigan's going to have to adjust. And when they did, they found other guys wide open. And and it was really, uh, it was clinical. And, and I think that if you look at Villanova, and you're right, they've had the old guys connect with the program. I do think that, as Andy said, when we were talking about, you know, programs that, uh, to emulate. I think that, that programs like Kansas and North Carolina and, you know, whoever else are, are programs worth emulating, of course. And, and they also have that same thing where, you know, you'll, you'll watch a game and they've got those former players in the stands, you know, always. And, and, and that's a big part of the tradition. And it's a big part of, you know, especially if you have NBA guys, even not NBA guys, but you have NBA guys coming back saying, Hey, by the way, I made it, you can make it, you know, just buy into what's being sold here. Um, I think that's a big part of any program that wants to be elite. Um, but Andy's right, and, and I don't say that often. Uh, that <laughs> not nearly <laughs> that, enough. That the teams with the with the five star, a bunch of one and done guys, aren't the ones who won national titles recently, with the exception of of the Duke team that beat Wisconsin in the final, that was led by you know uh, Jalil Okafor. I mean, they had some some veteran depth there, but uh, it was you know largely based on younger guys. Uh, and then the Kentucky team with Anthony Davis, that was just a, sp- I mean, that just, that, that, that team just had ridiculous talent. It wasn't, you know, uh, there was no secret sauce there other than the fact that Anthony Davis was a once in a generation type guy and, and they fed off of him. The rest of the guys played really good defense and, and hit shots occasionally. And they still so lost the, in Bloomington. Yeah, they did. Um, Hey, oh, wait, who'd they lose to? I can't remember. Um, hmm. Oh, they lost to IU. That's, yeah, that's right. right. That's right. First year of the show. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I think that that you do see that these veteran heavy teams uh, are, are, you know, I, they just they handle adversity so much better because they're more mature. They've been there. They know what to do. And you saw again last year when that North Carolina team won. That's the team that had lost in the final the year before. And they took those lessons and with them. And then this year, Villanova last year, they lost in the second round in a huge upset. They managed to take those lessons and use them in this tournament. And they knew not to take anybody lightly. They won every. They won their games by an average of seventeen point seven points because they knew never to take their foot off the gas. And and they knew that when they got behind to Michigan, that they had the power to come back and beat them. Um, so I, I really think that there's a lot you can learn from from other teams' uh, success or failure in the tournament. And, and I think that the one of the biggest things I took away from Villanova in this tournament was how versatile they were. They could win with defense. They could win with offense. They could win playing fast. They could win playing slow. Um, and, and how mature they were. And I think that's the goal, is to find a team that can win in various ways with a lot of interchangeable parts where you're not relying on one guy to do everything and where they also are just have a maturity uh, to, to respond to adversity when it happens, because that adversity is going to happen in the season. It's going to happen in a tournament setting. You've just got to know how to deal with it and, and, and trust yourself that you can get through it and not panic and not, you know, start blaming each other. Yep. This is the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottom. So let's turn our attention now to 
some good news, I think, as it pertains to Indiana's present and its future. And a couple of interesting articles came out this week that were related to each other. Uh, one is from the Wall Street Journal. They do an annual assessment of the values of college basketball programs. So it's like, you know, you hear about the values of professional sports franchises, how much they sell for. This article operates under the premise of if you know college basketball programs could be purchased on the open market, how much would they go for? Okay, And so uh, when you look at the numbers for this year, Indiana's overall program value uh, actually reached its peak in 2016 at $277 million, uh, but then it fell to $243 million this year. However, Indiana actually rose from number three in the country to number two in the country as Louisville dropped down to third. Clearly, their scandals, uh, I'm sure, hurt that program value. Uh, And then Kentucky maintained its hold on number one. But the bottom line is, you know, according to an objective analysis from the Wall Street Journal, Indiana is the second most valuable basketball program uh, in the country. And part of the assessment is, you know, expectation of the future, you know, how things look in the future. Now, related to that was a great article in the Indianapolis Star uh, written by Zach Osterman. He had a chance to talk with Fred Glass about Indiana's financial commitment to basketball. And I thought uh, Fred had a couple of really interesting quotes. He said, I'm unapologetic in terms of my ambition for Indiana University basketball, and I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. He said, we measure ourselves against the three or four teams in the country that are widely viewed as basketball royalty. Our program doesn't want for anything. So, you know, look, clearly the results have not been there in recent years for Indiana to be in the same discussion as the Blue Blood programs. But what we've talked about for the last several years is how the infrastructure of the program is still strong. The fan base is there. The support is there. The tradition is there. The money is there. The resources are there. The facilities are now there. It just takes the right coach and obviously the right consistent collection of players to start winning on a uh, you know at, at a big level again, but all of the other signs look good. Um, and just a couple of notes for how Indiana compares to the rest of the Big Ten. Indiana generated more revenue than any other Big Ten school, followed by Wisconsin and Michigan State. Purdue was actually less than half of the revenue that Indiana generated, and Indiana also spent more than any than everyone uh, other than Michigan State, and they brought in an eleven point five million dollar profit. The basketball program, so. Things looking up in terms of all the infrastructure and the things surrounding the program, if Archie Miller truly is the right coach, there's really no reason why Indiana can't then regain its blue blood status in terms of actual wins and losses uh, throughout the season and in March, which is the one very important piece that's been missing lately, Ryan. Hey, uh, Jared, I got a question for you real quick. Is there enough money earned from the profits and in the budget for a new arena? Um, why would anybody want a new arena? We have a legendary just, I, cathedral that is a beautiful place to watch basketball. I'm just I'm I'm asking a question. You 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 tossed it to me, and I'm asking a question. Yeah, just wondering. we know it's a loaded question. We all know your thoughts <laughs> on Simon Scott Assembly Hall. This this, this is not the time. I, I don't know place. what you're talking. I have no idea what you're talking about. Andy, why don't you say something meaningful? Uh, well, I was surprised in the notes you wrote recruiting budget second only to Nebraska. I was like, wait, yeah, what? Nebraska what? had the biggest recruiting budget. They probably have to fly the furthest, and that's probably why. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. That's odd. Um, no, I, you know, I, I'll be curious to see how that changes over over time, in particular the revenue. I think you had, you know, I'm sure it, history would show you have a new coach, you get kind of this spike of enthusiasm and excitement about what's new, and and kind of how that has ebbed and flowed over the over the prior regime, and then, uh, you know, obviously this year you got that bump. So I think if they can sustain those kinds of 
you know, profitability type numbers, it would be certainly a testament to what Archie would build. But I think interesting to see, um, you know, how that might dip next year, even if the season is relatively successful, um, you know, how much of that bump is just excitement over a new coach. But yeah, I mean, Glass made that clear when he was, you know, doing the hire that where he viewed the program and, uh, you know, the, the kinds of numbers in these articles really back that up with, with the backing that, that they really have and, and how much resource they're putting toward, uh, making the program, what, what people want it to be. This is a double check plus level program. There's no question about it. Ryan, do you have any, do you you have anything useful to say or should we just move on? No, I'm I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to let you disparage the budget. We have we have a lot of money in the budget. I'm just wondering, you know, what we can buy with that. I, you know, what cool stuff, what fancy new shiny toy we can buy with that. I mean, you know, they should invest in the post game show. That's what they should do. Well, but then we'd be affiliated with. This. <laughs> I, know. I kind of I kind <laughs> of thought that's where he might have been going initially. That he was trying to parlay that into some kind of financial windfall, but apparently, no. Apparently, he had other. Ideas. I don't want to be. I don't want to be associated with the school. I want to have her. I learned that's that. True. I learned I my know. lesson. I learned that at the Indiana Daily Student, we wanted to be separate from the school, so we were free to criticize. No, it's so. true. It is very true. Okay, let's uh, let's move on here. And coming up, we are going to take a look around the Big Ten as a number of key players have announced their NBA intentions. What does the conference landscape for next season look like right now? Stick with us. We're talking about that next. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join right now or as soon as it's convenient for you to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan that you need to be on our newsletter list, you will get our weekly six-banner Sunday news roundups all throughout the offseason to keep you up to date on what's going on with IU basketball. And then when the season starts again, you will get our post-game analysis emails that we only send to our newsletter subscribers. We don't publish that on our website. It is all free, and it will make you a smarter IU basketball fan. Again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. And Andy, let's spend a few minutes just talking about kind of some of the comings and goings with the Big Ten, or at least some of the projected comings and goings uh, with guys who have you know announced their NBA intentions. Some guys you know saying that they're going to hire an agent and stick in the draft. Other guys, you know, we don't know. Jawan Morgan, as of yet, at least as of Thursday night, hadn't announced anything. Um, and we don't want to spend too much time on this because there's still so much up in the air. And obviously, you know, all of the rosters are going to change so much between now and when the season begins. But we can at least get a look at some of the top level talent in the conference from this year, what they're thinking about for next season. Yeah, it's so I've looked at as much as I would say like, oh, these early top 25s are dumb. I managed to compile 17 of them and see where where teams ranked out. So I guess I'm part of the problem. But, um, you know, if, if you really look across those Michigan State, Michigan and Maryland are the ones that showed up most often. Um, and I think, you know, Michigan State, I don't think that's surprising. Obviously, Louise Bridges and Jaron Jackson have a fairly good recruiting class um, and, and we'll have, you know, Winston and uh, and Langford back. Nick Ward, I think, has put his name in, but I, I think most people would expect him not to go. Um, so, you know, I think they're just they're on on reputation to a certain extent right around, you know, the you know 10 to 12 mark. Michigan Wagner is really the big decision left to be made there. Uh, you know, I think if he's back, they're a, a top 10 team. If he's not, uh, I could still see them in the top 25. Um, they've still got Matthews back, Xavier Simpson uh, you know, pool and, and livers were young guys this year that will get to play more. And they've got one of the better recruiting classes in the big 10, not necessarily a, a, a super, 
you know, high end guy in the mix, but, uh, you know, a handful of, of good players. And, and they're certainly at a point where you can't really count them out. John Beeline, man. He's good. Maryland is the one that I thought was interesting. Justin Jackson, kind of a weird decision to go pro in my eyes. Um, they've got a mix of, you know, Cowan and Herter, assuming their back will be juniors, uh, Morcel and, and Bruno Fernando, I thought had some good moments as freshmen this year. And then they've got a, you know, two top 50 recruits. At least I looked at the, the 24 seven composite. So they've got a couple top 50 guys. Feels like a, a similar formula to what we've seen from them before. But, you know, you got a lot of guys back from a team that didn't really do all that well uh, this year. So interesting to me, they got so much love and, um, you know, the, the other ones, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Penn state, Purdue, um, Nebraska, you know, Copeland and James Palmer both have their name in the draft. If they would both stay in, I think they take a huge hit. They don't really have anybody great coming in. Glenn Watson will be back. Roby is, is an intriguing guy. Um, but, but they need those guys to come back to be able to really reach that Wisconsin. I think Hap has his name in, but it w- is unlikely to hire an agent. Although, you know, the traveling rules in the NBA being what they are feels like a perfect fit, but you know, what can you, um, what can you do? And, and they really would have pretty much everybody back. Um, they're really young this year, had some injuries, um, you know, be a good test for, for Greg guard to see what he does there. And, uh, you know, Penn state obviously takes a huge hit with Tony Carr going in the draft. You know, you, you kind of think, you know, Oh, maybe this is the year Penn state can kind of put it together. They played well, won the NIT, uh, the loss of him, certainly is huge and even though they'd have stevens and, and reeves back presumably uh as well as mike watkins I, you know who becomes the the go-to scorer of those guys is, is what you had and then you know Purdue's the other one that that you've seen mentioned up there quite a bit you know carson edwards i think will probably put his name in um most people would expect him to come back he'll have harms as a sophomore you know they've kind of started to build some of that program but i think inevitably they'll take a dip they got a grad transfer from dartmouth i want to say yeah um who's who you know had had good stats in the Ivy League so we'll see but those those seem to be the big ones i think those those teams comprised the Tom Dienert of the Big 10 network put out a you know early projection so those were the the seven teams in front of IU uh, he had IU kind of right in the middle as eighth and obviously Romeo could swing that quite a bit one way or the other but some interesting decisions uh for sure with the guys who still have their names in the draft i think will go a long way toward deciding which is you know in a certain a certain way why it's hard to discuss some of this now. Uh, Corey Sanders is going to going to go pro, so unfortunately that decision came you know about two months too late. Maybe he could have uh, yeah. you know already went ahead and got a jump start on that earlier. Well, yeah, I mean, buoyed by the way he played against Indiana, it looked like an NBA all that whole Big that Ten game. tournament. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so okay, uh, so, so let me ask you this, Andy. I mean, we know the Big Ten wasn't that good this year. It was a storyline throughout the season. Then the Big Ten only got four teams in the tournament, although they did pretty well in the tournament. Penn State, you know, obviously won the NIT. So, you know, the Big Ten did a nice job in postseason, but. Now you look at it and, you know, Bridges is leaving and Jaron Jackson is leaving and, you know, Purdue's most experienced players and really good players are leaving. Uh, you know, Tony Carr, a lot of really top-end talent is leaving. And, you know, while certainly there are some good recruits coming in, I think there was only one uh, currently committed Big Ten player at the McDonald's All-American game, Wiley, I believe is his name, who's going to Maryland. Hopefully there's a second in Romeo Langford coming to Indiana, but we have to wait and see on that. Is it... Do you see an opportunity for the Big Ten to be better next year, or is this going to be yet another year of the Big Ten, you know, still being a power conference but falling well below, you know, some of the other conferences in terms of just, you know, overall talent in the league? It, it, it'll be interesting. I think Jalen Smith is the uh, the guy that's going to Maryland. Who's the was the McDonald's All American? Oh, Jalen Twenty second, twenty second ranked in the in the twenty four seven. Uh, numbers that I looked at, I, I think it'll be, I think you've got a chance to, to have, 
you know, the middle of the league maybe be a little bit better and a little bit stronger, but I don't, I think certainly the top end, assuming that Wagner doesn't come back, which I think is a reasonable uh, assumption at this point, I, you know, he was very close to staying into the draft last year. So yeah, that, that, that was my thought. I mean, he, he was one that was there. So I, you know, I think if he's back, Michigan could be among the more elite teams there if they can build on what they did defensively. And um, you know, had some promising young guys, Otherwise, I I struggle with it. I don't know. You know, Michigan State, you lose Bridges and Jaron Jackson. Um, you know, are they really? Is it is it conceivable that they'd be better? Um, it, it seems hard to believe. Um, and then after that, I don't think any. Uh, you know, no matter which order you'd put Nebraska, Maryland, Wisconsin, you know, Penn State, Purdue, and you know, none of those teams are going to be you know top ten caliber teams. So I think Michigan and Michigan State really are the ones that may you know, have to carry that mantle, but I think it becomes a little bit hard. I do think there might not be as big of a drop off from the top of the league. So you kind of had those top four this year, then a pretty big drop off, not necessarily from a record standpoint, but just from an overall resume and, and, and talent standpoint. So I think that middle becomes a little bit stronger, but it's, it's hard to tell yourself a story where you've got more top end teams than what you had this year, where, um, you know, you had, you know, that many teams on the top, you know, handful of seed lines had a final four team, it, it that feels like a stretch to me with with Michigan being the potential exception if he decides to come back to school. Yep. Okay, coming up in our final segment, you guys sent in a bunch of great questions, so we saved some extra time. We will get to all of those questions next, uh, including who we consider the best coaches now without a title. We'll talk about that. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips wrapping up another week of Talking IU Basketball here on Assembly Call Radio. we got a bunch of good questions from you all this week submitted both on Twitter and in our private Slack community. Uh, by the way, if you want to be part of that Slack community, uh, it's great IU Basketball Chat. Just shoot me an email, jared at assemblycall.com, um, and I'll be happy to add you to that. But let's start going down some of these questions. Uh, the first one is from Rob, and he says, if Romeo commits to IU, how well do you think Archie's personality and Romeo's personality would match? My initial take is that they don't really seem to have the same personality types at all. Um, Ryan, I'll be interested to get your thoughts on this. You know, we've talked a lot about how it feels like Archie and Rob Finnessy, you know, are, are a really great match. You know, no nonsense types of guys, just basketball junkie types. It really seems like they would click. And what I think Rob is hinting at is that Archie is very intense, very demonstrative, whereas Romeo, you know, a bit more laconic, a bit more laid back, doesn't show a lot of emotion on the court. But I think you make a mistake judging a guy's passion to win and competitiveness just by how demonstrative he is after a dunk. And I think for Romeo to be as good a player as he is, there's got to be an intensity and kind of a burning desire deep down. Um, and I, you know, nothing that I've heard from anybody who's watched him has suggested otherwise. Um, and so I don't get the sense that their personalities wouldn't match. Um, but, you know, again, that's without knowing either one of them personally and being there in practices and that kind of stuff. It's a little bit hard to gauge, but I don't get that same sense. Um, Ryan, do you? No, not at all. Okay. Uh, I, I think, that, and also, you know, guys don't have to have the same personality to get along. I mean, they, the saying is opposites attract. I mean, you know, I, I get why the show works. 
Yeah, uh, we can't stand each other. We, I mean, by all rights, we we would not be able to stand each other. And sometimes we can't stand each other. But uh, no, I, I think that it's, uh, I, I don't think that's fair to say at all. I think that there is um, a way that, you know, if you watch Romeo consistently, uh, I think that he and Archie probably will get along really well as far as stuff goes on the court. Uh, Archie wants a guy like Romeo who would be willing to attack too. And I think that he'd be willing to, you know, help set things up to to make it so Romeo is very successful in college. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any clashes between these two if, if they do, uh, if there is a, a a marriage there. As Brian mentions in the chat, you know, he played for Coach Jim Shannon, who uh, Coach Sunny coached with, and he's a tough-minded coach like Archie. So, I mean, he's been, uh, you know, coach tough like he will be uh, at Indiana. So I, I don't think that and should that- be an issue. And that might be what a guy like him needs. You know, if he is a little more laid back, you need the guy constantly pushing you. And and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I don't. I think they I mean, just based on how they've handled the recruitment, I, I think they seem to value the, you know, kind of straight shooting. Tell it like it is, you know, not sugarcoating anything approach that that Archie would seem to have. So, yeah, it seems like it would be OK in my opinion. They've endlessly talked about how great Archie has done throughout this process. So even if you don't wind up with Romeo, you have to feel pretty good at the way he approached it, coming in late especially. Yep. All right, from East Coast Hoosier, who do you guys consider the best coaches without a title? Um, Obviously, Archie Miller has to be on that list. Um, Duh. But uh, the five that I listed out, just kind of off the top of my head, uh, Mark Few, John Beeline, Tony Bennett, Sean Miller, Bob Huggins. Uh, Andy, am I missing anybody? obvious off of that list other than Archie, I mean, obviously yeah i mean those feel like those feel like the most obvious ones to me i, I think they're all kind of interesting in, in their own right um you know i guess it depends what you consider you know best coach if you're talking like you know best x's and o's type guy i mean you feel like beeline kind of floats to the top of that mark Few's an interesting one though just in terms of the success he's had and um you know kind of how he's he's viewed but yeah that, I, those would be a pretty good list i didn't i didn't go through and try to put together more but those those seem like good ones to me guys i'd add to the list um chris mack obviously if you're looking at today who's a great coach not necessarily throughout the career i think chris mack is a guy who you could see winning a national title at some point uh mick cronin though i think he's gonna need to go to another program uh, i think mike bray is a great coach um again at a program that doesn't lend itself to necessarily making final fours consistently. So he gets overlooked, but I think he's a fantastic coach, especially an X's nose guy who um, is really good at designing individual winning plays. I've seen that in person a lot. You know, he's a guy who you're rooting for the other team and he'll figure it out and, you know, get you on the last play with an inbounds play or something. Um, But I would agree that I think Mark few is certainly up there. Um, uh, John Beeline is 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 a great call. I think he's developed into one. I you know the thing I, I like about John Beeline is he's gotten better. I think as a coach, and he's not a young guy, and he's improved considerably over the last few years. Um, I I don't know if Tony Bennett's there yet. I think if, again he's in that Chris Mack thing where if you're talking about today, yes, yeah, certainly he deserves to be on that list. If you're talking about over the last 15 years or something like that, um, some other guys probably deserve to go ahead of him. But uh, like Steve Alford, maybe. Right, no, if at uh, this time last year, if you listen to a portion of the IU fan base, Steve Alford should oh. definitely be on the list. Um, chum in the water, chum in the water. How did he do this year, by the way? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, Sean Miller, Bob Huggins, both great, great picks as well, as long as Sean is uh, is is actually clean, which we don't know yet. Um, but uh, I think... Is that, that a, is that a sweat joke, or is that a... 
No, that's that's that, that's an NCA recruiting joke. Uh, okay. Sweat isn't necessarily dirty. It's it's you know so. Just yeah, and then Bob Huggins, I Bob, he's one. He's like a cockroach that won't die, man. That guy, just and I don't mean that necessarily in a negative context. It just he just he just every. <laughs> I don't year, know why anyone would take that. Wrong. Yeah, I don't yeah, know why yeah. They, there's no need to qualify uh, that. Wing insect, but no, every year he seems to produce a, a, a another competitive team and and gets them to to play to play really well. So. Um, I, I agree. I think that's a pretty solid list. And definitely everybody's answer for the number one coach that you'd want to have a beer with. Is there anybody above Bob Huggins on that list? I don't know, because I don't think Huggins is having one beer. Um, I think he's going to okay. more. I think to he's going to drink under the table. To have several with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, moving on to the next question. This is from Jeff. Uh, in honor of transfer season, what transfer early departure in recent years or the past do you think would have made the largest impact at IU had they stayed for their full four years? Uh, so let me give you a couple that uh, that I thought of immediately when I saw this question. Number one is Maurice Creek. If you put him on the 2014 team, given what he did in 2014 for George Washington, where he shot 40% from downtown, that would have been a huge addition to an IU team that was 158th in effective field goal percentage. And if you think back to that 2014 season and just how painful it was offensively, you know, you add Maurice Creek, you know, playing some of those minutes that, uh, you know, that Evan Gordon got, you're much better offensively. And then think about if Remy Abel had stayed and he was on the 2014 and 2015 teams, there's another career 40% shooter. And so when you think about that 2014 team with a backcourt of Yogi, Maurice Creek, and Remy Abel, with Mo and Remy both being upperclassmen, I think things are a lot different uh, for that team. And maybe things are different for Tom Crean overall. Who knows? But that revolving door that he had was certainly uh, you know, a problem that, that plagued him throughout. Uh, and then, you know, if you have Remy Abel in 2015, I would have to think that the defense would have improved as well. That team is ranked 200th on defense. And then the other one that I thought of, Ryan and Andy, was Luke Fisher, who would have been a huge help in 2015 when guys like Colin Hartman and Stan Robinson were getting runs at center. But then if he had stayed, does Indiana get Thomas Bryant and Max Bielfeldt for 2016? Because I think both of those guys were better fits for what Indiana wanted to do, especially that season, than Fisher would have been, uh, who wasn't a three-point shooter. So it would have helped one season, but could it have blocked one of those guys coming in 2016? Who knows? But those were the guys uh, that, that jumped off to me when I first read that question. Andy, who else came uh, to your mind? Yeah, the, the Creek one is interesting. The the hard part with him was if you if you he would to me be the easy answer if not for the injuries. Um, you, you well, know, yeah. we kind of talk about that with the whole you know what ifs and different things like that. But even with you know you, the stats you cited were basically you know kind of what he was after the injuries when he was at George Washington. So um, I thought those were interesting. The other couple that that you didn't mention, and obviously these two are are forever connected with IU would have been Emmett Holt and, and Devin Davis. You know, both those guys have gone on to play well and play good roles as, you know, kind of undersized, you know, post guys, uh, at, at Houston and at Providence. And so maybe, I guess, you know, even if you spin forward to, to this year, if, you know, they would have still been there, it would have given another, you know, experienced body that could really do some things. And I think Holt really played well, um, for a, a fairly unheralded guy in his, you know, early in his career. And we had started to spin forward of like, you know, what can this guy be as a, a four-year guy and things like that. So those are a couple other interesting ones that the Creek one is probably of what you said, the one that would be, you know, most interesting watching him in the, in the Korean system for that period of time. We left out Stan. I mean, it would have been nice, but I, I don't think Stan would have had the impact of any of those guys, but we, we got to, no, I think we got to just him. give a hat tip to Stan. 
I think Evan Hall was a huge one for Indiana because they really needed him that year. I think to have a a, a guy behind Thomas Bryant, um, you know, as a another uh, forward, so uh, or slash center. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that he was the biggest loss in there. Luke Fisher was a big loss. Um, he didn't, you know, he went on and had an okay career at Marquette, but um, you felt like he was, you know, a much better. I felt like he was a much better fit for Tom Crean's system than. Uh, than <clears throat> he was at Marquette. Uh, by the way, our conversation about having a beer with Bob Huggins has inspired a, a, a really funny little sequence of events here in the chat in which Brian Tonsoni is uh, fantasizing about having pizza with Rick Majerus. And you can just imagine where that conversation has gone. So that, that's the reason to listen to the show live and follow along with the YouTube chat. Uh, okay, <laughs> the last question, that we will <laughs> last question that we will address here. This is from Trey. Uh, more important for IU to pick up another guard or another big before next season, Andy? Uh, I would say guard for sure. I mean, that's just where the roster is thinnest right now, where there's the least experience. Um, so, you know, need shooting and, and just more depth in that position. So that was that was a relatively easy one for me. Guard, um, no question. Yeah, I, I think it's a guard too. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I think uh, when I hear people talk about next season, it sounds like a lot of people are banking on Deron Davis, you know, coming back and playing a lot of minutes. And I just say we've got to be cautious with our expectations there because he's coming off an Achilles injury. Um, so we don't know, you know, how quickly he's going to be ready to come back and, and kind of be the guy uh, that we saw before the injury. But I think uh, same thing. I mean, there's such a glaring need at guard with only three guards even on the roster right now that Indiana has got to add uh, more in the backcourt. All right. That will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. If your loved one is at risk of a fall, the Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health can help support their safety in their home with 24-7 emergency monitoring, even when you can't be there. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. 
Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.